The Bible reading is from Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Would you please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Gospel of Mark chapter 10. And we'll be looking today at verses 46 to 52. Presbyterian Church has a little tiny mission church up in Mount Magnet. And last year I drove up to to take a service up at at Mount Magnet to meet the folk there and stopped in a little town called Payne's Find. I'm not sure if anyone has has stopped in uh, Payne's Find. It's a little, it's basically just a service station. And I went in and made myself a a, a cup of tea there. They had the cups and the the, the tea bags and the hot water, cup of tea for the last part of my journey. And then, of course, the milk. I needed milk for my tea. And and I started looking on the bench, no, no, no milk. I looked under the cupboards, no milk. I was looking around. I, I couldn't see milk anywhere, and so I went around and, and asked the lady behind the counter, excuse me, where, where's the milk? And she came out into the room where I'd made my cup of tea, and she looked at me with a, a slightly confused expression and motioned like that, and I looked over, and there was a glass-fronted fridge with a big sign above it saying milk and inside, uh, right in the centre, a a, a two-litre bottle of milk and it had lights on it. It was like a a trophy cabinet and the lady was uh, somewhat confused why (laughs) I was looking for the milk. Have you ever had that experience of looking for something and it's right in front of you and you, you, you just can't see it. Like our kids come to us and say, where's my jumper? It's right there. It's right there. Can't just, just, just open your eyes. It's right in front of you. Or someone saying, coming up to you and saying, where's my glasses? I can't see my glasses anywhere. Well, just uh, there they are. They're right in front of you. There are things right in front of us that we, we just can't see sometimes. 
And don't you find that there are also things right in front of us that we don't want to see? I'm thinking about that school report after a term of laziness. It's something you don't want to see, is it? Or that envelope from Western Power at the end of summer. There's a number in there that you you don't want to see. Or you're standing on the bathroom scales and you look down. There's there's some things right in front of us that we, we just don't want to see. Now, isn't it also true that our world and our society suffers from an awful moral blindness? That there are things that we should be able to see, but we just can't. Although the the right way, the right path is right in front of us, we can't see it, and we don't want to see it. In the nursing home, one of my old friends, Anna, is 87 And she was born in Lviv, which was right on the the western side of Ukraine. And at the age of six, at the start of her life, she watched her country being invaded from the west. Her home and city was invaded by, by the Nazis and her mother was forced into Germany to do slave labor. And she followed her mother into Germany. And now... 81 years later, near the end of her life, she is watching her nation being invaded yet again, and this time from the east. And Anna is full of weary questions. Why do people keep doing these things, she said? Why do people keep hurting each other for nothing? Why don't we ever learn, she says, And it's true, isn't it? We know that war is wicked and useless. And yet, nation after nation keeps blindly stumbling into it. And many are weary about the blindness in our own nation. Blindness to our own moral failings. Why have we legalised the killing? of our most helpless, our most vulnerable in our community, our unborn children, those who are very sick, the elderly. We know in our hearts, don't we, that that to do such things is wrong, and yet we stumble blindly into making these kinds of laws. But I want to turn from what's happening in the world and our society to look more closely at ourselves. And we should ask ourselves, shouldn't we, why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why do I keep making the same foolish, arrogant, harmful decisions that politicians make on the world stage on the stage of my own life and in my own home? Why do I keep saying and doing things that that hurt me and that hurt others around me, those that I should be looking after? Why don't I forgive? Why am I so greedy? Why don't I treat others in the same way that I want to be treated? Why do I 
so often spoil and, and poison my own home with my selfishness. Around the city of Kalgoorlie, there are thousands of deep pits, thousands of them from the old mining days. And they're dangerous. And you can walk around and there are deep pits that that are deadly and they're everywhere. Why do we keep falling into these moral pits that lie all around us? Why? Well, the Bible says, God's word says that the cause of all our ills, the cause of the ills in our world is blindness. It's blindness. It's the blindness of our hearts. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 describes the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And Paul goes on to say that for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And that's the root of the problem, isn't it? It's an old saying, but it's true that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The cause of all the ills in our world and in our own lives is our blindness to our Creator and His ways and His purpose. But the wonderful news, the wonderful news is right here in front of us in, in Mark chapter 10 that, that, that God has not left us in our blindness, that God has seen us in our blindness stumbling around and hurting ourselves and hurting one another and he has had compassion on us and he has sent us a rescuer, a helper. Look with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We read here that that Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho And as they, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And so here we have this this, this man, Bartimaeus. He's a real man. And Mark even explains the, the meaning of his name. Mark might have met him. Who knows? But here's Bartimaeus, and he's, he's sitting outside the gates of Jericho. And we can picture this poor man, can't we? This poor blind man who his whole life has not been able to see a thing. He can feel the warmth of the sun, but he can't see its light. He can hear the, the, the wind rustling through the trees, but he can't see those trees. He can't see the flowers. He can hear children playing, but he he can't see them. He can hear the the, the coming and the going of the city of Jericho. But he can't see it. He's aware 
but he can't see what's right in front of him. He's blind. And Bartimaeus is a picture. He's a picture of me and of you, of our world, of those whose foolish hearts are darkened, as the Apostle Paul says. Now let's see what happens. Now when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. So when he heard that Jesus was leaving the city, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why did Bartimaeus call Jesus son of David? Well, we all know, don't we, that David was Israel's greatest king. He lived a thousand years before Jesus. And God made that wonderful promise to David that one of his descendants would come and would extend God's kingdom across all God's creation for all time. That this great king, this great Davidic king would come who would destroy godlessness and wickedness and and the effects of wickedness. That he would destroy death, that ancient foe, And God promised to send his only son who would be a descendant of David. And we heard that promise this morning, didn't we, from Isaiah chapter 9, that people walking in darkness would see a great light, that upon those living in the land of deep darkness, a light would dawn. So Bartimaeus sitting at the gates of Jericho and he hears everything and he has heard about Jesus and he's heard about what Jesus has done. He's heard that Jesus has been teaching people with this wonderful teaching and that he's been healing people and and giving sight to the blind and, and raising the dead and feeding the multitudes. He's heard about Jesus and he knew And he realised that this is him. This is the promised son of David. This is the king that God promised long ago. This is him. And Bartimaeus wanted to meet this king. He wanted to be a part of his kingdom. He wanted to enjoy the blessings that had been promised for so long. And so he calls out, son of David. Jesus, son of David. The promised one, the one we've been waiting for, for so long, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Well, we read that many rebuked Bartimaeus. You see that there in verse 48. And they told him to be quiet. Bartimaeus, shush. Jesus is leaving now. He's leaving the city. He's going. Shush. Don't bother him. Don't disturb him. But Bartimaeus, we read, shouted all the more. He wasn't going to be put off. He wasn't going to be shut up. Son of David, have mercy on me. He calls even more loudly, says Mark. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And so they called to the blind man 
cheer up. So, verse they're saying, shut up. Now, cheer up, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And I, and I want, don't you wonder at the question? Jesus, surely you knew what he wanted, what he needed, but he's drawing out Bartimaeus's faith. What do you want me to do for you? Say it, Bartimaeus. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Your belief in me, your belief that I am that long-promised king, the son of David, the one who can help you, the one who can save you, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Wonderful story of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. And by healing him, Jesus proved, didn't he? He proved that he was that light shining in the darkness, that long-promised king, the son of David, that he is the one who can heal our blind hearts. Not sure if you know, but on the 1st of January this year, it was the 250th anniversary of a particular hymn, and it's, a, it's, it's probably, if I ask you what your favourite hymn was, it's probably this one, the 250th anniversary of Amazing Grace on the 1st of January of this year. And almost everyone's heard Amazing Grace and we love to sing it, but not everyone knows about who wrote it. And his name was John Newton, who was a man born in 1725 in England And at the age of 11, he went to sea. That's what you did sometimes when you were a boy in England. You went to sea. At the age of 19, he tried to desert from the Royal Navy and he received 96 lashes. And so, leaving the Navy in disgrace, he joined a slave ship. And so, he became a crew member on a slave ship. At the age of 20, he was given by his captain to an African princess and he became her slave. So the the crewman on a slave ship now becomes a slave himself and he served her and she was a very cruel master for some three years. At the age of 23, he was rescued from that household and fled on a boat but it was out of the frying pan and into the fire because in in the boat, a huge storm whipped up and they thought that the ship was going to be destroyed and everyone drowned. And he cried out to God for help. And God saved him from shipwreck. But what he didn't yet realise is that he didn't need his body to be saved, he needed his, his heart to be saved. And from the age of 23 to the age of 30, he continued to serve on slave ships and even came to captain his own slave ships. It was not till the age of 31 
that he discovered the grace of Jesus Christ and his life was changed from the heart outward. And so, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We can understand, can't we, why John Newton called himself a wretch because here was a man who was a slave trader involved up to his neck with that wicked institution. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And how does it go? Was blind, but now I see. That's what we need, isn't it? That's what we, that's what we all need. That amazing grace that's described here in Mark chapter 10. The amazing grace of God's Son, Jesus Christ. The one who can save wretches like us. The one who can open our eyes to see. To see God. To see his ways. We need what Bartimaeus received. We need what John Newton received. We need eyes to see. Eyes that can see God and his holiness, his wisdom, his power, his grace and his love. Eyes that can see Jesus Christ bleeding on the cross for our sin. Eyes that can see Jesus Christ raised from the grave through which we receive resurrection and eternal life. That's what we need, isn't it? Eyes that can see and hearts that are freed from slavery to self, to greed, to lust, to unforgiveness, to hate. This is the answer for our broken world. This is what our world needs. Eyes that can see, hearts that can know God. This is the answer to the problems of our own life in our own homes. Jesus Christ, who opens eyes, who softens hearts, who makes us new. And I'd like to, I'd like to address young people here. I hope that's okay. It's wonderful to preach in a church with so many young people. And I'm sure everyone else will listen in. But young people in particular, you've got your whole life ahead of you, haven't you? And who knows what lies ahead for you? Perhaps the joys of education, work, marriage, family, worship. Probably trials. I'd say certainly trials face you as well. The trials of money strains, perhaps heartbreak, sickness. Perhaps we'll see our nation engulfed in war. Who knows? What an awful thing it would be to experience the good things that are ahead of you with eyes that are shut, with blind eyes. To not see the God who made you, 
to not see and to know that he made you in his image and likeness, to not know that he is precious, that you are precious in his sight. Imagine going through life and all the good things of God's creation and being blind to your creator, the one who gives you those good things, to not enjoy and to receive his good gifts with thankfulness. Imagine that. It'd be like living life in black and white, wouldn't it? Maybe you're not sure what black and white even is, but, but uh, trust me, not too long ago, everything on, on the telly was, was, was black and white and, and kind of dull. And, and that's life with eyes that can't see our Creator. And what a terrible thing it would be to go through life and to stumble through the hard things blindly. To think that suffering is only ever cruel and pointless. To not know that Jesus takes us by the hand into the valley of suffering because he loves us. Because he uses trials and he uses suffering to grow us. Imagine facing the trials of life blindly and not seeing, not knowing that Jesus Christ can turn our trials around to grow us, to make us more loving and compassionate to others and to make us trust and depend on him even more. The Apostle Peter, he wrote... In his first letter, chapter 1, Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now with your eyes, your physical eyes, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Imagine going through life, all of your life, without that inexpressible and glorious joy which we have when we see and know Jesus Christ. What an awful thing to be like Bartimaeus stuck at the gates of Jericho, being aware of what's going on around you but not seeing, not knowing and being blind to the real truth of things. Bartimaeus shows us the way, doesn't he? to our young people, our children, those of us getting older, he shows us the way. We must all look to the Saviour and call out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Change me, open my eyes, open my heart, show me, show me God. Show me your salvation. Show me your resurrection. Show me your your blood which washes away all of our sins. Show me all, all of these things. We call out, each one of us, have mercy on us. And we hear the rebukes, don't we? Shush. Be quiet. You see, the, the, the world doesn't want us to, to, to follow Christ. Be quiet. Shush. Don't call out to Jesus. And there's even uh, 
that, that, that part in ourselves which tries to quieten ourselves down. Be calm. Do you really need Jesus? Shush. But Bartimaeus is our model, isn't he? We call out to him, and when the contrary voice comes, we call out even more loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And he leapt up and threw aside his cloak and ran to Jesus. We must do the same, mustn't we? Let's do the same. Let's hear the voice of our Lord calling us to him today. Let's throw off our cloak and step up and run to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we've seen you this morning and we've seen your love and your mercy and we've seen the way you opened blind eyes and we pray, Son of David, have mercy on us. May we see you face to face. Change us from the heart outward. And we pray in your name. Amen.